Good afternoon, Jamie. Keytronics. It's happening, man. Oh, not too much. We're recording at a weird time, but it's it's been a little it's over two, two weeks. It's lunchtime, so... Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I already ate, so I'm not hungry. Oh. Didn't want didn't want you to meet hangry Keith. <laughs> you came prepared. I did come prepared. <laughs> That's cool. I didn't eat. I don't, I'm I'm a late eater. Ah, gotcha. We actually have stuff to talk about today, don't we? I hope so. Uh, I do. I do. Yeah. We intentionally, I prevented you from telling me about something earlier in the week because I was like, we'll just do it on the podcast, so it's authentic. We'll do it at lunchtime. Do it at yeah. lunchtime. Exactly. So what's been going on, man, on in your side of things? Um, I guess, yeah, on my side of the uh, the chronic space here, actually accomplished some things. Um, we finally got the a notary build to actually work with the Mac app, which I have no idea why. Like, it apparently just takes time between us, like, signing any new change documents that they have and it actually working. Because I ran a build right after we had both made sure that all of the... Uh, documents had been signed or you know whatever the agreements had been agreed to and it failed with the exact same error that it had previously been giving me so i was like i think we're stuck uh but then i just sat on it for a day and i just rebuilt it the next day and it worked out just fine and i was able to drop a dot app to you and you were able to run it and it felt super good to actually get it to not give you an error so you needed this for this is for the developer id correct yeah, so this is this is the one I I probably care about this a little bit too much. I don't think our app is going to have anything in it that would prevent it from being distributable through the Mac App Store. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's always the downside of like eventually this thing will have a subscription model to it, right? When with your paying, so mm-hmm. if we give people the the ability to pay for a subscription through the Mac App Store, then Apple takes thirty percent of the subscription, and that sucks. So. I would rather have the opportunity to distribute it by ourselves so that nobody has to take any more of a cut than what we would pay, whatever our credit card processor is. And Mm -hmm. that just seems like a better deal for us. So to do this on a Mac nowadays, there's all the stuff in place with Gatekeeper and the security APIs. And to get it to where it doesn't say, are you sure this isn't a hacker that's giving you some stuff? Um, you basically have to send it off to Apple and they notarize it for you to say, Hey, they're not doing anything shady. And then you don't have to go through your security preferences and be like, no, seriously, I know these guys aren't bad. Please run the application. It'll still give you the thing that says, Hey, you download this from the internet, but that's just saying that, Hey, I know you downloaded this. Um, are you sure you want to run it? It won't give you any more security promptings after that. It'll give you things where, yeah, and this becomes blatantly obvious if you've messed with Catalina at all, where anytime we need to interact with anything, it's going to prompt and be like, hey, Chronic wants to use your downloads folder. Is that OK? That yeah. sucks. Uh, there's no getting around that, really, if we want to be a notarized app. So, yeah, but that's what this did. This this gives it to where the application seems more authentic when running on a Mac so that people don't have those kind of security worries. I don't even know if people do. I think most people are just like, yes, I downloaded this thing. Please go. God. Um, but mm. yeah, I still wanted that to be something that our application would handle and spent way too much time trying to get it to do so. Yeah. We didn't need, we could have kicked the can down the street, right. And worried about this later, but we kind of wanted this uh, experience uh, once we start releasing this to other people. So that they don't have to say, Hey, yeah, uh, I, I trust these people. Exactly. Um, and in the background, like what you need to do on Apple side is kind of crazy. Like we need to like have a bank account set up, which to be honest, we don't like, we're just using 
I think Brilliant Fantastics business bank account. We're using Brilliant Fantastics LLC. So you need to have like all these business, you need to have your business papers in line uh, with Apple. You need a bunch of business papers. And uh, that kind of sucks, but we're just kind of temporarily using Brilliant Fantastic right now, but eventually we'll come up with our own company name and LLC and all that, all that jazz. So this is probably something that like, People that didn't have this set up, you'd probably want to kick this down the street a little bit. But Yeah, exactly. If you didn't already have your all of your stuff set up inside of Apple, then we would have definitely just punted on this and we would yeah. I would just You also you need to pay the ninety nine dollars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so they must have like humans involved or something, like to say, Hey, everything like they signed and read everything, or else I don't know what the delay would be, you know? Uh well, it could just be eventually consistent. <laughs> right. You're, you're exactly. running into the MongoDB problem now where right. we uh whatever we application we were hitting was touching a database node that hadn't been updated yet. So yeah. it still Sorry, looked it like you had signed it. Could have been a caching issue. Or Sorry. caching, yeah, there you go yeah. too. I just like to rag on Mongo. So that yeah, that was cool. Yeah, you just passed me like a zipped app, dot app file and uh unzipped it and everything was good. Yeah, I always forget how awesome it is when you see a native Mac application because you literally just download it to your apps folder or like you just drag it over to applications and bam, you've got it. It's nice that everything's all packaged. I I actually don't know what is involved when people have to build an installer for things. Like I'm like, they what the to, heck does to, this have, have to, to do? Write, they have to write to the registry. No, um, I bet you there's like, you know, there's different data directories and things like that. that yeah. I assume that's what it does is it basically just runs a setup script Yeah, that, uh, if it's anything like the iOS, uh, startup, like you only have so many seconds before your application like gets killed basically when it's, uh, starting up. I don't know if the Mac works like that at all. I assume it doesn't cause you can, you know, if I want to say start, start, dang it. But, uh, yeah, yeah. so I've never looked into the installer stuff, so we didn't need, there to might be it. separate rules for, I mean, there are separate rules for, for app store apps and non-app store apps, but that might be one of them. Yeah, well, we might actually, this kind of brings us into the next thing that I worked on. I might actually eventually need to run something like that, though, um, a sort of installer package that would then mm-hmm. direct, like drop this on there because the way that you can rig up a, a thing, like if we want somebody's, uh, when they boot up their Mac for Chronic to launch on its own, a lot of times you package that into a helper application that uh, right. is also installed. And then that's the thing that shows up in your user uh, and login items or whatever. It would be like the chronic helper. And it's basically the thing that kicks it all off initially. And I think the a package installer would allow us to install both of those things basically at one time. Do you know what those, like, do you know what people mostly use for those? Uh, for what? Building a for package packaging, Yeah. Uh, no idea. Absolutely not. No, I mean, well, actually it's, it's built in. It's one of the things you can build inside of Xcode. Like it's oh, one of the okay. project types on the the Mac OS side of things. So oh, that's cool. Might be that's something cool. we have to do, but I actually did more on chronic than just that, which oh, is astounding. So I legitimately in three days, probably put more work into chronic than I had, uh, in the whole rest of the year, basically because <laughs> having a baby, uh, but yeah, I want to use Swift UI. We talked about this in the last episode, but in order to do that, I had to change a couple things. I had to get the application building for 1015 instead of 1014, uh, which was fine. Um, but I was like, well, while I'm upgrading stuff, I might as well upgrade all the things. So I got us up to Swift 5 also. 
And then I upgraded the few dependencies that we have. So we use a thing called reSwift, which is basically Redux for Mac applications, which I think for Mac applications, the like the the flux data pattern is freaking amazing Mm -hmm. because we have so many different things that can rely on the same data and be updated uh, in such an easy way, especially when we're working with like WebSocket stuff and we're just sending signals around and getting things done. So we we use that uh, and then we use Apollo um, for messing with GraphQL stuff. So I had to upgrade those packages and they, it's been a while, right? It's been mm-hmm. some, a while. Yeah, so. Apollo on the Mac sucks, to be honest. Like it pulls down the whole schema and, and runs and auto generates a bunch of files and stuff. Well, the, it does that on build. And yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. Like I, I kind of like having the, because what that gives you is it gives you type safety in your Swift uh, yeah. code, which when is I nice. Say it sucks, I actually like it. Yeah, I like it. But when I say it sucks, it's like, okay, what is that command I have to run? And like, it's probably just something that should go in the readme. And oh, like uh, it, it literally goes in the startup of the app. Like it goes, it's a build script oh, for our application. So so when you run command R or whatever to like rebuild the application after you change some Swift code, it goes and it Ooh. runs that behind the scenes too. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, it must be different than the iOS stuff that I used. Um, actually, Swift UI makes me want to re- <laughs> rewrite the iOS app in, in Swift. But just go uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that, man. You, you have to just look at all the Android people who can potentially eventually benefit from this. Unless you want to write a native Android app and then... I've written a native Android app and it's actually not that bad to be honest. Oh, okay. Well then maybe, Hey, who knows? Maybe Except react native is going to go a bitch the way to maintain. I'm not going to yeah. talk. Yeah. Main, maintenance would be, would be kind of crappy, but so I got all those things upgraded and we are actually building for 1015, which means I can start integrating Swift UI. I had wanted to do that a little bit before we got here because I'm going to start working on our menu bar application and I want to use, just use Swift UI for all of that stuff. But uh, I unfortunately did, didn't have enough time to actually get it kicked off. So yeah. that's that's, that's cool. my next step is I'm going to be pulling in Swift UI and sort of getting those things rigged up and progressively getting rid of the the couple storyboards that we have in the application. I've done mm-hmm. a good most of the UI that is there that's going to get scrapped anyway is pro- programmatically generated. Um, mm-hmm. Like I have some cu- custom views in there that kind of show a workflow as it's been defined so you can see which step you're on and that kind of stuff, which is all going to go away. But it was basically there for me to learn how to write custom views in old AppKit style. Right. And yeah, still stuff I need to know because Swift UI utilizes AppKit under the hood still. But um, most of the visual components of things, Swift UI is going to kind of do by itself. So Swift UI, when you're using Swift UI, you don't use storyboards, correct? You or do you not. can? Uh, well, there will be one storyboard, or it actually might be a zib. It kind of depends. But you'll use it to set up the menu for your application. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's actually all managed inside a zib file. Um, so weird. I think that can be a storyboard. Uh, but the yeah if you like were to go and boot up a brand new mac app that is using swift ui it it will not give you a storyboard that has a window in it for instance like because that's normally what would happen is if you would say hey i'm going to use storyboards it would load a window into the storyboard and then set you would set the default view controller for it and go from there Mm -hmm. now it's just like nope this is the one i'm gonna build and you know everything is done in code which is really nice because you can track it down and figure out like, why the heck is this like that? Oh, it's because a flag 16 levels deep inside of the storyboard is wrong. And, oh, this 
auto layout constraint that was generated automatically inside my storyboard is wrong. Like, oh, those things are just a nightmare to find. So mm-hmm. I, know. I mean, I'm sure once people got really used to them, it was it was great. But as a person who I come in and I work on a Mac app or I dabble with an iOS app, like those kind of things are just a nightmare to to learn and remember, especially as they change them all the time. Right. And also working with a team, those, those zip files are, and even storyboard files are kind of a pain in the ass to work with, like in, in Git source control and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But that's what I accomplished over the last two weeks. And it doesn't sound like a much, but it's like such a good groundwork for me to actually be able to go in and work on some new features that I'm very, very excited. Yeah. And I like the fact that we're concentrating only on the menu bar app because we kind of have that design. And like, I remember, you know, we're like, what, what is the full screen experience like? And we don't really have that down yet. So, and I think we'll get more info. Yeah, I have an idea, but I think we'll, as we start using the application, we'll find out more about like what that full screen should be. Exactly. Cause I, I must, I'm probably one of the weirder people in the sense that I prefer using a windowed version of the application most of the time over a menu bar application. For for almost any application, like I just prefer yeah, the window version of it. And I think it's because I've gotten to the point where there are so many like potentially so many menu bar icons that it drives me insane, which is why I use bartender to hide them all anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that drove me to just being like, I like windows and the UI that I I'm do like in a window. command tabbing into that. You know what I mean? Being able to command tab. Yeah. And do whatever yep. you need to do. But uh, we should figure out the hotkeys for, for that stuff for chronic at some point um for the mac app mm-hmm. thankfully i've done um, that before yeah uh, cool you remember hangover that mac yeah. app mm-hmm. <laughs> that i never awesome. actually i never actually shipped but i think i reserved the name in the mac app store and then i submitted an empty application so they wouldn't take the name back and they're like yeah this app doesn't do anything <laughs> and <laughs> awesome. i thought it was pretty funny. you want to be a you want to be a mac app squatter that was a mac app squatter yeah, I'm sure Chronic is taken. Cool, man. Anything else? Any other news? Uh, the baby Understand? slept through the night last night, which was cool. Uh, so I'm pretty jazzed. Like all today. the way through the night? Uh, not all the way. We still feed her like oh. late at night, like 11 to midnight in that range, just to make sure she has enough food um, in her, basically, to like make it through the rest of the night. But she slept from like after that feeding until 7 a.m. this morning, which is the most the longest like continuous awesome. stretch of sleep that I've had for seven months. She so gaining, felt, she gaining weight? Uh, not a better. ton, but she's gaining a little bit. And she's just getting more and more efficient at eating all the time. So like she's learning how to take a bottle better. Now we actually have to deal with the fact that she's happens to just be a, a seventh month old, month old baby who's super curious. So it's like I'm basically wrestling an alligator if I try to give her a bottle. And <laughs> holy crap, that sucks. Like I'm like, this baby's anorexic via ADD at this moment. You know, like she's just not eating enough because she's too curious about other things around her. So that's that's a struggle that uh, I'm currently trying to figure out. And it's probably driving Kendra more nuts than me since she has to nurse her. But yeah. Also, oof. being curious as a baby means putting everything in your mouth. Yeah. Well, she, she's been doing that for forever. And uh, it's pretty funny. So yeah, that's it for me, though. Um, yeah, so, um, uh, on my side, um, I did a few, um, shipped things. So, uh, I completed the new kind of newer UI, uh, layout, um, for iOS side. So, uh, using the gradient and moving the controls around. So they're, they're more reachable with your finger and, and moving some of the data around. 
Um, so, mm-hmm. and I liked how that turned out. Yeah, I think it looks super slick. It's very clean. Yeah. is the way I would describe it. And then the other thing uh, that kind of went along with that is I upgraded. Um, I'm very diligent on upgrading Expo because I don't want to get caught behind because sometimes those upgrade paths are just a nightmare. Um, between like, especially if you leave off some React Native stuff. So I've been upgrading mm-hmm. as we go. And one of the upgrades changed uh, how Expo handles uh, the building of the React Native web. So Expo went ahead and like more deeply integrated React Native web into Expo so that they kind of have like a third p- official platform now. So it's now Android, oh, nice. iOS, and web. Um. And we had, we accomplished that before by just using React Native Web, which mm-hmm. is a, a project from, I think, Facebook. Um, and that, all that allows you to do is um, use React Native um, components, but render them on the web. So if you use like a, a, a text component, it will turn into an input type equals text. Mm-hmm. We've been pretty diligent about keeping those separate because you can run into some issues and stuff around like doing that, like using react native controls for the web. So a more like a better pattern that we use in my opinion is we'll have the same file. Like we might have the same component file, uh, but you can use the extension of dot native dot JS or dot web dot JS, or you can even do dot IOS. Uh, .ios js or .android js to kind of um, target those platforms individually if you need to. All that to say that uh, the Expo build process of building the web uh, changed a lot. So now it like starts an Expo s- uh, server and then behind the scenes starts a Webpack server and then builds the web via that Webpack config that they have internally. And then that creates your application on a different port. Okay. Um, and that kind of jacked all of our um, build of our uh, website up that, that we use. We use Netlify. And so there's different uh, directories that it goes to now. And like it pulls in, instead of pulling in stuff from public, it pulls in stuff from a web directory. So just different things that I had to learn, like what the changes were. And then so I, I had to fix that build for our website. So our Netlify build was broken for uh, a little bit, but now it's back up and running. So I had to, to work on that. That took a few days to figure out. Is that going to make the the entire process a little easier moving forward, though, if like Expo is kind of the one entry point to booting all this stuff up? Um, I think so. So I haven't gotten that um, because the development experience is pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um I'm, I am using Expo locally and that's how the, the readme is set up, but I don't think I'm fully taking advantage with like making a change and having Expo update the website and the iOS side at the same time, like using the file watcher stuff that still happens. But like one is using file watcher like natively and the other is just using Expo. So I think Uh we can still combine that stuff. Uh, the documentation uh, actually in Expo is, is kind of lagging and behind. So I had to look at source code and all that stuff. So okay. yeah, that'll, nice. that'll be improved, but um, fix that. And uh, the thing I've been working on this week is the active background stuff. So I'm very excited to hear about this. Yeah. Yeah. I, we talked last week about that and I 
started over the weekend. Um, basically, what I did is build a whole new, just a just a simple web app that has HTML and JavaScript and CSS. Uh, it's not using any framework or anything like that, and it's using a Gaussian. Gaussian? How do you find, how do you say that word? Gaussian. Gaussian blur. Yeah, effect on an image, and I have it so that uh, it can auto blur, so it'll blur down from. Um, like 200% down to zero. So you have a clean image at the end and I'm doing some timer stuff. So it kind of mimics what a user would see kind of, so you can see the effect. And then I, yeah. And it renders that image with the uh, Gaussian effect on uh, a canvas element. And then you can take that canvas element, convert that to a data URL. And now you have an image. So that's the part. That's the part I'm working on now. And then, so I need to save those photos. I think I'm going to go all the way and upload them to, to um, S3 just so I can get that down. Um, You can do, we have a DigitalOcean Spaces account set up for okay. uh, chronic stuff, and it uses the S3 API. So anything you would do for S3, oh, really? you can just use the, yeah, you just have to sub out what your like S3 URL is right. to point to our Spaces stuff. Because oh, that's, that's cool. where our Elixir builds actually go to when we build the the tarball that is like chronic server 0.19.0 mm-hmm. or whatever. It goes up to there, and then we pull that stuff down later. So I can get you set up with that if you'd like. Cool. Yeah. Um, but then the next thing that I'm going to need your help with, once I have all these pieces together, I want to show you mm-hmm. and, uh, say, okay, how can we turn this into a process? Like, how can we turn this into like an app that we can just, you know, have an API to that we just sub out and then that creates all these images. And actually the only images, so I'm thinking it's only going to have one image, but then during the running of chronic of this specific Pomodoro or specific mm-hmm. timer, there's going to be a bunch of images. It, it gets received. So for every second, there's going to be a URL now. And then that URL will contain both the, the combination of the, the gradient and the image. So there is going to be a process part. Oh, um, okay. I guess yeah. I was thinking we would do this on device as much as possible. Um, I, well, the problem is you can't really do it on device on all the devices we target Mm. because, um, like I looked up like the Apple watch stuff, obviously you can't do that with there. Um, they don't think they have a a web part that can be in the background and we can talk about this. Maybe it is, maybe our first iteration is on device but I would like to talk to you about like how we can get it as a service because I don't think creating those images, generating those images, they they take like a second to generate all of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think storing them on S3 and then deleting them from that bucket as soon as the Pomodoro is over is that big of a deal. Yeah. I guess um, my thing is all about transitioning from one image to the other. I assumed we would do it on device so that that could be fluid, but I think it'll be chunkier if it's request image a request image B. Yeah. So I think there's some process here where you start the Pomodoro, right? And you immediately get the image, the initial image URL mm-hmm. and that kicks off the process. And then each there, there'll be events that are streamed in that say, okay, here's a new 
image, here's a new image, and it's for, you know, second number 3,540 or something, right? Okay, yeah. And then and then here, here's that, and then the device is going to have to preload those images because obviously we don't want to load those images right away. So it might like preload like the next five or something and keep that in a rotating. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it, they're saying. preloaded and cached locally so that you, they can see them right away. Just some things I thought about, but I would like to sit down and think of a plan. So okay. um, I'm yeah. pretty close to, to kind of showing you what that looks like and seeing what you think. Um, there's also like some sort of memory leak on Chrome, but anyway. Um, Solid. <laughs> yeah, it works fine on Safari and then Chrome is like, doesn't like set interval. It's nothing to do with processing. It's like, it's like mimicking that, that, that. Uh -huh. So, so that's, that's about it. So my next steps are to, to get that image from the canvas saved and then talk to you about creating a process for that. So nice. Sounds Could maybe good. use some, some uh, serverless functions for this. Maybe I'm thinking uh, anyway. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, you could. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what we end up doing with right. this. Right. Like, how do you create a process that, like, how do you get a canvas? <laughs> You're calling into a server. So how do you get a canvas object to render the CSS? Like, could we do something like PhantomJS or something mm -hmm. on the server? I, I don't know yet. So those are the questions that are. This would be a useful thing just to figure out in general. I know. Like, there are, I, I have not messed with canvas at all, really. Uh, in the years and years and years that it's existed, but there are a lot of things that I think of and I'm like, oh, that could be really cool on just a little idea. It's like this idea right here of having an image and then like setting a certain amount of blur to it and then getting it back. Like mm -hmm. that could be a useful thing just to use if you just want to create a blurry image just kind of randomly, right? Like you're just like, oh, I just need a thing here. Let me there is a service. There is a service I found. I can't remember the name of it, but it's literally like give us um, some CSS um, mm -hmm. and we'll render that as an image. So you can like pass it HTML and CSS and the result of that will be an image. Gotcha. Pretty cool. Yeah. I built a, uh, when I was working at square mouth, I built a go web service that did that with, uh, to build like PDFs and stuff. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just using like wicked HTML to PDF behind the mm -hmm. scenes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not using uh, a pandoc. I think uh, it uses Pandoc. No, I don't think I okay. no was not using Pandoc. Uh, I did kind of a similar thing as well with PDFs. Oh, it was funny. Like when I built it, cause I built it in go, like it was the first uh, microservice that we deployed <laughs> in go at, uh, at square mouth. I don't know if they use any other services in go now, but uh, I built it in go because we had a problem with wicked HTML to PDF in Ruby land. And that was like causing a memory leak. Mm. and so i just wrote it in go and uh ended up not having a memory leak and it was stupidly fast even over the web but uh, i was talking to a guy from reverb when i was at windy city mm -hmm. rails they had literally built the same thing like the month prior <laughs> wow. and so i was like oh that's funny we both did the exact same thing like two <laughs> shops who were just like oh we'll just go build this small uh go web app to handle this crap and that was pretty funny it's funny I think I tried to open source that and then never made it made its way out. So. It's kind of, kind of weird that that doesn't exist as a service. Oh, it does. It oh, was it just does. too expensive. So I wrote my own. Yeah. Gotcha. Like it, there's one called like T-Rex maybe or something like that or PDF Rex, something with a Rex in there that was like pretty <laughs> expensive though. And I'm like, 
wicked html to pdf is open source and i basically just need to <laughs> exec this sucker from inside of a web server so not a big deal that's awesome yeah so that was pretty fun but cool i'm excited though i want i want to see the demo now though is i don't know that i'm going to be patient enough to be able to wait until uh, you think it's ready uh, i want to see this this app yeah, thing like right like, now give me like another day okay it'll be a cooler demo cool I should show you the I should show you the effect though to make sure it's kind of like a simple effect that I chose, yeah. Um, just for now, but that that's one of those things that can be subbed out to whatever effect. Like especially if you're working with a canvas, you can draw whatever you want on a canvas. So, mm-hmm. so that'll be cool. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Do we have anything else to talk about? Uh, I don't, man. I don't. You have no other exciting things going on. I don't. Uh, it's all chronic, man, for the rest of the year. I'm I'm still off of social media. I have, uh, I I did cheat once. I did cheat. I'm yeah, not, I'm like, I saw, I saw some definite tweets that were like, he had to have read something. Oh, so I'm using drafts. I'm using drafts to tweet now. Did you say giraffes or drafts? Drafts. D-R-A-F. Like the long necked animal. No, like the first revision. Okay, drafts. Okay. <laughs> drafts. Sorry. <laughs> I can't hear. And then I was going through in my own joke while you were explaining it, so I didn't hear you again. You, you never heard dra- heard of drafts, the app? No, I know what drafts is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm, u- I'm using drafts to just tweet so I don't read. Um, I'm still, um, I want to take an afternoon and build a write-only Twitter, but. Um, yeah, call it giraffes, by the way. Giraffes. I should. There you go. Giraffes. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, man. All right, dude. I will talk to you in tomorrow, probably, but we will record again in a couple weeks. All right. Sounds good. Good chat. Bye. Bye.